Welcome to the Run for PRs podcast. This is your host, Victoria Phillippe. The Run for PRs podcast was created to give away the secrets to transform your training to reach your goals. We ask all the expert run coaches and athletes the questions that you've been dying to know the answers to. We will get the inside scoop on what really makes you the best athlete that you can be. Have you ever seen a fast runner and wonder, wow, how did they get so fast? Well, then this podcast is for you. We are going to do a deep dive to reveal the secrets to reaching your potential as a runner. Running your best 5K, Turkey Trot Edition. If you're in the USA, you know that this is the time of year where Turkey Trot races start to happen again. This year, there might be a lot of virtual races just because it's 2020 and a lot of states are not reopening for events. Um, But maybe your state does have some local Turkey Trots that are smaller and following some of the guidelines set in place. But either way, people are gearing up for a Thanksgiving turkey trot. The tradition has been growing over the years, and we are really excited that more people are participating in these events and celebrating the holidays in a healthy way. A lot of our listeners may be coming back into running a little bit more after a big race this fall, like a marathon or a virtual marathon or virtual half marathon. This is a strange time of year for racing because a lot of the times this isn't um, like a peak goal race for people. It's more of a fun race. Um, But, you know, given the time of year, depending on where you're located, it can actually be a prime time for, you know, setting a 5K PR and really racing well because the temperatures have dropped and it's, you know, all the summer training is going to pay off for you um, when the temperatures drop. So if you're in a location where, you know, you're looking at the radar and you see prime running weather, this could potentially be an opportunity to really go after a strong 5K PR. And I know our program that has been going on for the last 15 weeks, the 15 Weeks of Faster 5K, um, those people have been gearing up specifically for a big breakout race and a big 5k PR. So if you have been training specifically um, with our group and with that group for this 5k, you're definitely in that pre-peak prime 5k shape. And we're really excited to see kind of what people can do with that. So we just decided to do a little podcast about um, the turkey trot in general and just racing your best 5k. And even if you're doing a local turkey trot and your distance is more of like a 10k, I feel like a lot of the things we're going to be talking about um, are still really applicable to, you know, the shorter distance races. So if it's a 10k, an 8k, you know, whatever distance, um, but also it's, it's geared to the 5k as well. So I have with me today, Jason Phillippe, who is a coach here at Run for PRs. He has been coaching for over 10 years and he has experience coaching at the high school, college level, as well as at the club level. Um, His specialty is more like the mid distance. Um, He's a marathoner himself. He's done about 10 marathons, but I think the majority of his coaching experience um, stems from you know, doing the shorter distance races. So coaching the 5k specifically, um, just because he spent so many years at the college level and the high school level prepping athletes specifically for the 5k. But also, um, you know, even at the club level, you always get adult athletes who want to run, um, 
a 5k, right? Run a 5k PR. And it's just a really common event. Um, but I think there's not a lot of specific podcasts out there, specific training out there for adults to really, um, kind of grab onto some information and get, uh, tips as to what is the best way to run your fastest 5k. So we've kind of broken down some tips and we're going to share them with you today. So Jason, um, just to kick some things off here, what do you think that these people should be doing um, like the week leading up to the race or maybe in the weeks leading up to a goal 5k race? Um, So a lot of the people who have been training with our 15 weeks to faster 5k, can you kind of go over what some of their training has looked like over the last couple of months as they gear up for these 5k's? Yeah, definitely. I think that for those of you that have been part of the 15 weeks for faster 5k, you know, you've seen the training plan kind of come together and you've been challenged as far as, um, speed endurance workouts, you know, incorporating a lot of, um, faster, maybe track style workouts. Um, if you don't have access to a track, hopefully you're, you're, you know, you're able to get these workouts in somewhere safe in your area, um, on the road or maybe using a treadmill. Um, but yeah, you're definitely doing higher volume or higher, uh, intensity, speed endurance intervals. So it could be anything from, you know, 150s all the way up to, you know, 1200s is kind of a, that's usually where I would cap athletes. If we're really trying to target 5k, you can do mile repeats here and there. There's a time and place for that. But, um, typically for me, I'm looking at one quality speed session a week. Um, and you know, that could be, that'll vary depending on how many weeks out you are from your goal race, but you're probably looking at some sort of intervals between like, you know, twos, fours, eights, 1k something like that and then on the other workout day we maybe just have something a little bit longer um like tempo or fartlek or something like that so um or hills because hills are still a very um very important part of you know increasing your speed and for 5k or any distance around that but um i think that yeah this is an exciting time of year for those of you who are looking to kind of run your your fastest 5k you've done in a while or at least maybe ever this this late fall season and then you're going to maybe take a little break in december um this is hopefully you're you're getting a chance to run in some cooler weather some decent weather if you're like us up here in the northern midwest area you know it might even be at at a point where it's it's kind of surpasses the ideal range for temperature so you're looking at possibly running in the really cold conditions um so we'll talk a little bit about how to prepare for that as well Yeah, that was some really good information there with what sort of training people should be doing leading up to, you know, a 5k specific event. And I think a lot of distance runners, maybe you're coming off of a marathon training cycle or half marathon training cycle. I think most distance runners who are in marathon shape have kind of this I don't, I don't know, this attitude around the 5K where they think, oh, it's just a 5K and really like anyone can complete it, that sort of thing. Um, so I think we have a lot of people who do these 5K events who maybe didn't train specifically for a 5K. And so I think it's really interesting to open up that conversation to talk about what specific 5K training looks like versus, you know, a traditional marathon or half marathon training cycle. And I know one of the key points you mentioned was doing um, speed work. So you're doing things that are really short, short bursts of energy, focusing on speed work um, and maybe not doing as many of the long runs. But that brings up a really important point here when it comes to this 5K race. How much of it is aerobic versus anaerobic and what does that even mean? Yeah, um, you know, it's still it's still a big chunk of aerobic, I would say. 
you know, the majority of your time, you can only be anaerobic for about two, two minutes or so is what the experts say. So, you know, when you think about running a 5k, that lasts like basically your last sprint, right? When you get around probably three miles, that's where you're going to start dipping into anaerobic. Um, you know, good 5kers who are, you know, with years and years of experience who are probably running in the 14 minute range, 13 minute range, they might be a little bit longer. Just depends on, um, you know, kind of when, when they're able to tap into that max speed, um, as they approach the finish. But yeah, I like the, you know, the speed workouts that you're going to be doing. Um, you know, they're really designed to help you start to tolerate the faster pace, uh, get your body really used to running, running at the same pace, trying to be comfortable doing it. So for example, if we're going to run like 10, 400s, um, you know, you want to run hopefully all of them within about a five second, uh, per five second range. Um, cause you may start out a little slower just to make sure you don't go too fast. Um, some athletes, when they get really, really, um, you know, experienced in doing this they they might run them all within two seconds. Um, and so that can be really difficult to do, especially if you're not on a track and you don't have the ability to check in, you know, at the halfway point or whatever. So, um, I think that the speed is definitely, you know, it's a new concept for some athletes, but the more you do it, I think you, you start to become comfortable, um, uh, mentally, you start to understand like what what are maybe some of the changes going on in my body physically. Um, am I able to push through it? Um, a lot of times, it's it's you know the shorter bursts of 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 your tempo there. So you're only maybe running for two or three minutes or even less than that if we're talking 400. So it's a it's definitely a unique uh, way to train, different for some athletes who aren't used to it. If you're only doing marathon type work, but um, I think that, yeah, we all can benefit from doing the speed work from time to time. This has been an interesting year because I think a lot of people, you know, they, they were kind of maybe, um, you know, maybe they just felt like they should try something new because everything else has kind of gone off the trails this year. So why not? So yeah, it's definitely fun. And for me, you know, it's been a while since I've really focused on the 5k. So it's been exciting to try to get back to, you know, decent fitness and trying some 5k workouts this fall. Um, I'm feeling pretty good. So <clears throat> yeah, that's that's a really good point. And I think one thing that you touched on was that uh like out of the whole 5k, only 2 minutes of it is anaerobic. And so you're talking about doing all these speed workouts and um focusing on that section of the race that's more on the anaerobic side. And when you really look at the breakdown of the race, it is 90% aerobic and it's like 10% anaerobic. So you're really um when you're training an athlete who is already um, aerobically fit enough to run the 5k really what you're doing during training is you want to continue to establish that aerobic base and continue to build that with the easy miles and then with the speed workouts we're going to be more specific to tuning into that other 10 percent so that we can really prime up that other system so you can really reach your potential because two minutes in a 5k of sharpening that two minutes on or off is a huge deal Um, But I think, you know, a lot of people will think when we say we're focusing on speed workouts that easy running isn't important or that, you know, I don't have to train as much. Um, But I think just taking that into consideration and remembering that you have to continue to establish that aerobic base because that's what 90% of the race is going to be. Um, and then just looking at what am I doing as a whole? Like you can't just expect to only do speed workouts and then do like no easy runs and don't have, um, quality miles during the week. 
Uh, so how do you approach that if someone comes to you and only really wants to do, you know, the speed workouts and then like doesn't take the easy runs as seriously because they're like, oh, I'm only quote unquote only training for a 5k. Yeah, it's a good point. I know, um, you know, if they're doing the speed workouts, right, they're going to probably like to have the opportunity to to run slower. I, I don't know too many people that can still hammer their easy days and that go a little you know, faster than they should. I do know a few that I've coached over the years, and it has been a challenge to try to get them to understand just the importance of really slowing down. Um, and it may, you know, they may have eight, eight out of 10 workouts may go well for them, but they maybe just have like those one or two that don't go so well. And that's where the teachable moment um, happens. And, and hopefully something will register with them where they can understand like, oh, maybe it's because I am running too fast or I started this first one too fast. And so it's really all about discipline, right? And then figuring out, you know, how to approach a workout. And, you know, we talk about pacing, we talk about pacing for every distance. Um, these are very similar in, in that we want to try to replicate, you know, negative splits. Um, every interval workout I do, I try to run negative splits, um, you know, and then as far as, you know, the, the order of the, the speed that we're doing, um, I think there are some benefits to making, making the athlete run the fast, the fastest, uh, intervals first, obviously, because you're, you're most fresh. So your form is going to be, um, the strongest. Um, and then as far as, um, flipping it, flipping it around, it's obviously nice to start off with a little bit like a ladder cut down where you maybe do your mile first, your 1200, and then you start cutting down, um, 1k, 800, 600, 400. And that teaches the athlete to get a little, um, to kind of conserve the energy and to run faster for shorter periods later on. Obviously, that, that will transfer over to the race. Um, but training both ways, I think, is kind of ideal. And, um, yeah, it's been fun to just get creative with workouts and to see kind of how, how we cope with doing them both ways. Because I know there's times where I do my fast stuff first and then I do like a 10-minute threshold after or just like maybe a 15-minute study state. And I'm amazed really how easy that feels after running at a fast pace on the track. So, um, yeah, there's, there's a, you know, there are lots of right ways, I guess you can train as long as you are similar, uh, following the, you know, the 80, 20 principle where we're not doing too much speed work at once, you know, we're still sprinkling in, um, the the 20% of intense running. And then the majority of our running should still be, you know, easy mileage or recovery miles. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, it's really important to just hammer home like the importance of the aerobic part of this event. Um, you know, any any event that's actually over 800 meters is majority of it is going to be that aerobic base. So it's super important to continue doing the aerobic base there. You're not going to be able to get um, to your potential or to run as fast as you possibly could in the 5k without having those easy runs and that aerobic building blocks. So I guess as we get into more of the details of race day and race week. Um, this kind of what the podcast is going to be mostly about. Um, we just kind of wanted to go over like pacing plans, what you should do the week of the race, warming up and just all of the things when it comes to racing to your potential. So once you have training already done, we're kind of like in that taper mode, um, I guess the week of the race. So, you know, if this is Monday and your race is on a Thursday or if you're doing it on a Saturday, uh, what sort of workouts should you be doing that week of the race or what does like the taper look like? Yeah, I would say, um, I'm a fan of just like a shorter fart, like workout, you know, you've put in the workout up to this point. So, 
you shouldn't go out and hammer like six by 800 meters or whatever and, and feel exhausted after that. Um, you want to start to just sharpen up things a little bit. So you might throw in like one minute or two minute pickups. Um, you know, if you're going to, I don't know what your mileage has been like, but typically for me, it'd be like probably like a five or six mile run. And so I'd really just incorporate about a mile, mile and a half of faster running. Um, so if I'm doing, you know, even six or eight by one minute, that's going to be plenty. That's going to get me to that mile and a half. So, um, that's kind of what I would like to do. Um, you could do like a cut down far, like as well, like a four, three, two, one or something like that. And, um, and then really just the day before it, it really depends on if you're used to doing strides the day before, like a harder effort, then be my guess. You can do that. I know a lot of, you know, a lot of times in, when we're coaching athletes, the younger athletes, uh, high school and college level, that's kind of the, the go-to workout the day before it's called pre-meet where you go out and run about three miles and then you do some strides after. So other people like to rest the day before. Um, other people just like to keep it easy and not do any strides. So it's sort of whatever you you're used to doing, um, in your training, uh, before bigger workouts or races. And, um, yeah, that's kind of what the week I would say leading up to the race should look like your, your long run or whatever you're doing about a week out should be cut down as well. Probably at least 20, 25% of what you're used to doing. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think focusing on what you have been doing and don't really try anything new um, that week of the race. So if you have been doing strides, like that's great. Keep doing them. But, you know, if this is the first time you're hearing about strides or, oh, like I I haven't done those in a couple of months, maybe I should try them out. Um, They probably wouldn't hurt, but I would say maybe put like a speed limit on how fast you're going to go on those strides. Um, When we say strides, sometimes people will think, okay, that means I'm going to go as fast as I can for, you know, the 10 to 20 seconds. But really what it means is just kind of getting up to that goal 5k pace, um, whatever, like the peak pace you want to run for that race on race day. You don't really need to like dip into, you know, if your 400 meter race pace, um, you want to keep it main, mainly in control, um, just because of like risk for injury, you know, once you start going into those more sprint like paces, um, you're really taxing the muscles in a different way and maybe in a new way that you have not really done before. So if you're not used to running at those top speeds, um, just try to keep it more in that like 5k to one mile zone. Um, if you're not used to doing strides super fast. So I guess the next thing that everyone probably has on their mind the week of the race, you know, they're thinking of goals and they're thinking of what sort of pace they should run. So how does someone, you know, figure out what type of shape they are in for this race when determining what their goal should be? Yeah, if you haven't raced in a while, this can be difficult. Um, And obviously we'd like to, for those of you that have done the 15 weeks uh, program, you've done those time trials along the way. So you have a good idea and you definitely have your time goal in mind but if you haven't done those it can, it can be difficult and I've showed up to plenty of turkey trots over the years where I really haven't done a 5k since July and so you you're kind of clueless um, as far as what you know what you may run especially if the weather's drastically different but um, I would say use your recent workouts um, to kind of gauge and then also look at like the the consistency your recent training block has had compared to other seasons when you've done other 5Ks. And if you really are kind of new to 5K, this could be even more challenging. So you're just going to try to go out um, and run a pace that you, you feel confident you're going to be able to pick up, you know, run a progression um, or a negative split. So I like what you said about putting a speed limit on. Um, I'll typically do that for every 5K I go, go to just because, you know, we here in Minnesota, we have a lot of competitive 5Kers. And, and so 
if you're running any of the bigger races, there's going to be a pack of people out front and they're all going to go out super hard. And so it's so easy to get sucked into going out even 10, 15 seconds faster than your goal pace or what you want to go out. Um, so if you're not disciplined, you that's going to happen to you and then you're going to pay for that later in the race. It's going to get really difficult. Um, and the, the thing about that is it always feels easy, right? Going out with them because you you have the whole pack and it's just the energy from from you know trying to stick with everyone it's it's so easy but then literally once it starts to spread out a little bit usually around a mile and a half it'll it'll start to hurt so i'm a fan of just going out a little bit slower usually um you know probably five to ten seconds slower than what your goal 5k is uh the pace wise so um if you're super fit and you're going after a pr and, and you've done a lot of workouts then you can probably go out on pace you'll be okay with that if you're experienced enough but otherwise, I would err on the side of going at least about five to 10 seconds slower than your goal pace. And then you want to try to run the second mile right at pace. And the third mile, you're going to hopefully run negative split, um, you know, 10 seconds under than, than your uh, second mile was. So you can get back that time. Um, and then hopefully your last point one, you're, you're finishing strong so you can get your goal time. But that's kind of how I would approach a 5K. Obviously, it'll depend on... Um, you know, so many factors, the weather, the competition, your experience, all that. But um, as far as like a warm up too, I know thinking about the 5K and, you know, if if the if it's really hot and it, it's, you know, let's say it's, I would I would probably err on the side of doing a little bit less for your warm up. But otherwise I would do your normal warm up that you do for a workout, probably about two miles is average for people. And then you want to throw in some strides. Um, I'm a fan of a few longer strides like maybe two of them at about a minute kind of at the end of your warm-up and then after you you know use the bathroom whatever then you can do some strides at the start line and those should be about 30 seconds um and typically you want about two to four of those um within the 10 minutes or 15 minutes leading up to the race start yeah definitely i know you touched on a lot of good things as as far as coming up with the race day goal i just kind of want to elaborate on that before we get into like the warm-up cool down um, so I guess the biggest thing that you're saying is, you know, it's really important to kind of have a good idea of where you're at. So using those workouts as a gauge, um, obviously most runners have done some sort of workout or race within the last three months. And so you're going to want to use that as kind of like a, a navigational tool as to what sort of shape you're in. It's really important to not go into the race expecting any sort of miracles um, or just going off a of feel. That Those would be some mistakes, I think, if you went to the race and you didn't really have realistic expectations um, as to what to kind of expect on race day. And I think, you know, as a coach, it's really easy to look at uh, someone's plan and kind of know where their 5k shape is at just based on the workouts that they've been doing and the paces they've been hitting. Um, and so I think, you know, working with a coach or getting a consultation from someone who can look over your training log and who has experience um, doing that would definitely help you because if this is a race where you really want to run to your most potential, I think, you know, maybe consulting with someone about what sort of shape that you're in could really help you reach that goal. Because if you overshoot or undershoot, you're just not going to reach um, the potential that you could have if you had the right goal in mind. So I find that most people are able to kind of nail down a goal that's reasonable more often than not people will tend to you know have less aggressive goals just because they're not as familiar with racing the 5k 
Um, but you know, if you pace correctly and you start slowly, like you said, I think negative splits are the way to go. Making sure you place yourself correctly in the pack. If there is a pack, um, if you're doing this outside your house, just making sure that you're starting in control. Um, you really want that first mile or one and a half miles to feel more like a tempo, um, than to feel like a race. You don't want to be taxing yourself, um, at any point during that first mile, if it feels too hard, that is a bad sign. Um, you don't, the, the race should not start to feel hard until at least the second half. Um, and even then I, I think, you know, argumentatively it could be until mile two, you really don't want it to start to feel challenging. Um, but the 5k is one of those events where you do kind of have to go out, you know, on, on pace, um, and then it's a slight negative split. So we're talking maybe increasing the pace 10 seconds per mile. Um, so it's really important to really dial into that pace right away, but do not go too fast. So there's not a lot of room for error here. And so I like to just go off of a tempo effort the first mile and then um, in that second mile kind of you know, turning up the gear a little bit because the problem for me is if I go out too fast, then, you know, I'll blow up at the end. So I just think of that first mile as a tempo, the second mile to turn up the gear. And then the third mile, we're really going to be racing and going into um, the more anaerobic paces at the end where it's going to start to really hurt. So that's kind of how I would approach the race and pace things and just making sure you have a realistic goal in mind because if you do start your race and you think you're in you know 20 minute 5k shape when really you're only in like 22 minute 5k shape you might have the right pacing plan for the time you want to run but if it's not in line with where your fitness is at it's going to be a miserable experience and so that's why it's really good to consult with someone about where they think your fitness is at and maybe even getting multiple opinions. So if you don't have a coach um, consulting with a friend or just shooting a message to someone who you know has a lot of running experience, be like, hey, do you think I'm in X shape? Most people would love to give their opinion as to um, what, what sort of shape they think you're in and whatnot. Um, and you can really get like a realistic idea based off of um, a couple of feedbacks from various people that you trust in the running community whether they're coaches, friends, even your teammates, um, whatever works. So I guess when it, you get to the start of the race, you have your goal in mind, you've done all the work, everything like that. How should you um, like approach the arrival or the start of your race? So maybe we'll just pretend most of these are going to happen virtually because I have a hunch that's kind of the situation where most people are in right now. If you're doing a virtual 5K, how do you navigate um, the start time, figuring out your route and then, you know, the warm up and cool down situation. Yeah. If you're doing a virtual run, you know, you have a little bit more flexibility in, in terms of, um, you know, not being stuck to such a strict time schedule. Like you can, if you realize you don't need as much time, you can go out and get it done, but you can also allow for extra time in case you want to make sure you've used the bathroom enough times or whatever. Um, and I'm someone that likes to kind of maybe have the option to go to the bathroom after a warm up. So I would want to kind of figure that out. Like I'm either going to come back home or stop at a park. Um, if I'm running a real race, that's that's going to be a a necessity. And you know, most people see that at the races, how the the line at the porta potties are super long, and a lot of times it's after. Um, for some people, it's after their warm up. But I would say obviously you're wanting to eat within your usual time frame beforehand. For me. I could probably eat within about an hour and 90 minutes would be the closest I'd want to a start. 
typically two hours would be ideal. So I'm eating breakfast, you know, two hours before, um, and I'm just making sure I'm hydrating kind of throughout the morning and then, you know, gone to the bathroom a few times and then probably want to start. And, and this is where if you're doing a virtual run, sometimes you, you know, you may just get up, get your stuff on and you may go and then you may stay out there and, you know, do your little warm up at the park or whatever. And so you're going to do your warm up, um, but two miles, whatever it is, three miles, and then you're going to stop and you're going to use a bathroom, stretch out, do your dynamic type stretches. That's what I mean by warm up. And then you'll do some accelerations and strides and then you'll be ready to go. So that's kind of, you know, what it would look like. All of that could take probably anywhere from 30 to 45 minutes. It just depends on um, your pace for your warm up and stuff like that and how much time you want to spend uh, prepping when you get to your kind of warm up destination area. And then um, yeah, I would say probably about 10 to 15 minutes for some dynamic stretches, some accelerations, just kind of getting yourself in the right, you know, mindset, um, to be able to, uh, start the race and, and kind of dial into that fast pace, you know, within the first minute or two, just because you want, you know, like you said, there's not much room for error in this. You need to make sure you're able to run your 5k pace, um, fairly early on. Yeah, the warm up is super important for that. And I think timing when the warm up is and when you're going to run the race is also important. Um, sometimes with the real races that happen, sometimes people will do their warm up and then their warm up run, and then they're kind of standing around waiting for the race to start. And as that happens, um, their muscles kind of cool back down and it kind of defeats the whole purpose of doing the warm up. Um, so I guess, you know, the advantage of doing more of a virtual run is you're able to kind of control the time in between your warm up and the race. I wouldn't, you know, have too much time, like you said, just to make sure that your muscles are still warm and you're not defeating that purpose. You might go in, go to the bathroom, um, maybe change your shoes and then head back out for your, uh, 5k. But I mean, you could even jump right into it after, you know, stopping your watch and just kind of reloading a new um, event. I know sometimes people will do their warm up and then they restart their watch and then do the race and then stop again, do the cool down. I always like to do, you know, maybe just a one or two mile warm up, nothing too crazy. If you haven't done a lot of warm ups before a race, I think just starting, you know, with 10 minutes or one mile, whichever is less and going with that is a great option. Um, you don't want to, you know, do like a three mile warm up for your first ever warm up. Uh, if, if you're someone who needs a little bit more time, maybe like Jason does, he does do, you know, sometimes a three or four mile warm up. Um, but again, that's really only taking him not even 30 minutes to do a four mile warm up. So you really have to think about it as more of like a time-based thing. Um, I think, you know, 15 minutes is definitely adequate. And then also making sure we're staying in that aerobic zone for that warm up. We're not starting our race during that because we can be kind of antsy, um, during that time. So you really just want to think really gentle warm up, um, nothing too crazy. And then doing the race, um, like we said, pushing yourself and, just knowing that it is, it is going to hurt, but it's temporary and it really only hurts the last, you know, mile or the last, you know, 10 minutes or whatever you want to say to yourself. Um, and that, that really helps me kind of stay motivated for the hard time there. Cause no one ever is in the first 800 meters of the 5k and is like, this is so hard. You know, it doesn't happen until the very end. So I think if you pace it correctly, um, it's definitely going to bring you more of that confidence at the end. So you want to be feeling really good that first mile, 
treat it as more of a tempo. And then when you're done, um, I don't know about some of you guys, but when I'm done with a time trial or a race, I am pretty exhausted. I usually have to catch my breath for a while. And the last thing I want to do, like if, if the thought even crosses my mind during the race, like I do a cool down, I will just give up. Like, I don't know why, but it just seems like the thought of doing a cool down is like awful torture, um, all of those things. So Jason, I'm sure you can relate. How do you mentally go about the whole concept of a cool down? Um, I know it's really important, but like, do you ever tell yourself, okay, you don't have to do the cool down if like you can't walk after or like, how do you mentally like prep yourself knowing like in the middle of the race, do you ever think of the cool down and get like anxious about it? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, real races are tough because you know, you, you get to the finish, um, and there's a lot of like social stuff happening and you're kind of waiting to maybe see your friends or family and what they finish in. And so, um, and then you want to take advantage of like the post-race refreshments and all that. So it can be difficult. I, I would usually allow myself about 10 or 15 minutes and then I'll try to, uh, maybe go change any shirts or shoes or whatever get dry stuff on and maybe even find someone there to cool down with that way. You're kind of accountable to getting it done. And I, I have been, guilty of going to those races where there really isn't much of a cool down because they're literally handing you like a drink and all your your metal and the food right as you cross and um you know the one I'm thinking of is at night so it's kind of like oh it's already late and you just want to you just kind of want to start to enjoy yourself a little bit before you have to go home but um yeah when you're doing a real race that can be difficult um but make sure you at least cool down even if it's a mile it's better than nothing it just gives your um you know, your body chance to kind of generate some blood flow and get rid of that lactic acid that just built up, um, you know, and, and walk would be better than doing nothing and walking it back to your car, whatever is better than standing around. So keep that in mind too. If like, that's all you have time for, that's all you're motivated to do is walk, then do that. Um, if you're that exhausted, just give yourself like 15 minutes to kind of re- regroup. Um, if you're doing a virtual run, then Typically, I would just advise and and your run away from home. That way, you're forced to cool down on the way home. Yeah, that's really good advice. I think cool downs are a lot harder when you're at a physical race, especially yeah. if you like have people around that are trying to talk to you or distract you. Um, the last thing you want to do after running hard is to continue running or to run again. Uh, but it it is really important to do um, a cool down just to make sure you know, your muscles cool down and you don't get super stiff after the race. So I like your advice about, you know, getting, giving yourself some time if you're at a real event to kind of get all of the stuff at the finish line and then maybe do like a short, um, cool down for the virtual events. Um, you know, we've been doing them for the last, I don't know, it seems like all year long. Um, and you know, the cool down you get there and I usually will just, you know, stop my watch when I'm done with the virtual race part and then give myself just like a minute or two. Um, any longer than that, I feel like I'm just kind of like getting in my own head and it's just like, okay, even if you're going, you know, 12 minutes per mile slower than your race pace, like even if you have to like, you know, like basically jog, walk, like take a break, um, that's, that still counts as a cool down. So you might start your run. It might feel like your legs are lead, but just go like super slow. Right. So it doesn't, don't worry about the pace too much. I know like for you, sometimes you'll do races at like five minute pace, five thirty pace. 
And then after the race, um, you guys will like cool down and you'll be going like 10 minute pace. So, I mean, you're on five minute per mile slower, just like those first couple of minutes. Um, it, it's just really, your body is just kind of like locking up, you know? So it's, it's important to keep the pace really easy and don't try to, you know, be a hero on your cool down. Um, and even like if, if you don't feel comfortable doing a cool down, doing like a, a power walk or like, um, you know, a walk where you're, you're exerting yourself a little bit more than just like super slow, uh, is considered a cool down. So a walking cool down is definitely a cool down. Um, I I've done that before where I kind of do like a mile walking cool down, um, just because I don't, I don't feel like doing, um, a run and it just feels wrong or maybe like something's really tight and I don't want to, you know, make it worse. So walking cool down is definitely acceptable. Uh, but I think doing something is really important. Um, and then following up later in the day with, um, staying active. So obviously you're going to want to rest a little bit after your event, but then later in the day, it's important to kind of continue to get the blood flowing. Don't just like sit for 12 hours after the race. Um, if you can get up maybe every 60 to 90 minutes to get the blood flowing and do, you know, some sort of activity, maybe it's the laundry, maybe you go on like a five minute walk or whatever it may be, um, just to make sure you're getting the blood flow because that can really help aid in the recovery. Um, and another thing I don't think we really touched on is as soon as you get back from doing your, your race and your cool down, all that stuff, it's really important to get some nutrition in right away. So you want to be rehydrating, um, and kicking off that recovery process with good nutrition. So like a carb and a protein right away within 30 minutes of finishing your physical activity. Um, and that's just really going to kickstart that recovery process within your body. Um, the longer you wait to eat, the longer it's going to take your body to actually go into that recovery mode. So it's really important to get that in right away. Um, you'll probably be sore for a couple days, which is all right, but just follow some recovery tips and just know that the reason that you're sore is because you worked really hard. So I hope this was exciting to kind of get people pumped up for the turkey trots or the 5Ks or the 15 weeks to faster 5K uh, finale because it's a really fun time of year where we're kind of wrapping things up and we're seeing what we can do in the 5K after the whole year of training. Um, So it's a fun time. And we are going to have another program that kicks off here in a couple of weeks um, right after, you know, the holidays happen. We're going to do a one mile training program. So it's going to be really focused on strength and speed. A lot of people are maybe stuck inside with the colder temps in the winter. Uh, Maybe you want to focus on your nutrition or your strength training and you just don't have time to be logging a ton of miles. So this one mile program is really great for people who maybe want a break from you know, the super long distance stuff, or they're looking for a little bit of a variety. Maybe you want to change your body composition. You want to focus more on strength training and building some muscle. Um, This is a program that's definitely going to be right up your alley then. And it's also a chance even for people who, you know, like to run high mileage and just want a new different challenge. I think when you get to that one mile and you're able to run a really fast one mile, it can build your confidence and it can actually help you with the 5k, with the 10k. And then that translates later into the marathon and half marathon. So there's definitely so many advantages to working on that speed. And I think the winter time is a great time to do it because a lot of us are looking for that motivation and we're stuck inside. So that's going to run from 
December until mid-March. And then after that, you know, a lot of people will be kicking off their spring racing seasons and gearing up for other events. And so I think it's a really good lead up for people who are looking for something to do in that interim period, kind of in the winter, you know, January and February, what am I training for? Um, So if you're interested in that, you can visit our website, www.runforprs.co, fill out the form there, and we can get you set up on a free seven-day trial. So thanks for tuning in.